Welcome to the Ruby Kind Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle, and I'm really honored you've joined us. The Ruby Kind is a community of thriving young women learning to embrace our unique giftings through real conversation and practical application. We are passionate about empowering you to be an authentic Jesus follower, the kind that's worth far more than rubies. Welcome to the RubyCon podcast. I'm Brian Hallberg, your new host. Oh, gosh. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I'm here sitting down with Danielle, and Danielle's going to talk a little bit about a conversation we're about to have. I'm really excited to be joining her on this topic, and I'm really excited to kind of get some feedback from everyone out there on this. It's a hot button issue, and so let's get into it. Yeah. So in case you're wondering who in the world is Brian, and this is your first time listening in on the Ruby Kind podcast, Brian is my husband and he just got back from Alaska. So I am, needless to say, extremely excited to have him home. He was gone for six weeks. And before he left, um, I asked him if he would do a podcast with me because we're in the series right now, Did God Really Say? And I think out of all of the things that we could talk about when it comes to what did God say that affects a woman? I think that being a wife is one of those things that there's a lot of opinions on. Um, and what we're asking in this series is not what the opinions of people are, but what does the Bible really say about it? So, um, yeah, thanks, babe, for hanging out with me tonight and recording a podcast. Yeah, it'll be good. <laughs> so the question again is, did God really say, and the question we're asking is, did God really say, wives submit. Um, and so we know that he did, right? Because we know what the scripture says and that's what we're going to read, but we're going to just kind of dive into what does that really mean? And what is God really saying when he says that? And what does a healthy marriage look like? So um, I want to read the verse first, and then I want to share a little bit about our story. And maybe you can kind of jump in a little bit on that too, babe. Sounds good. All right. So Ephesians 5, 22, that's our main scripture. And then in the show notes, there will be several more scriptures that kind of correlate with this, but this is our main scripture. So it's wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Now we're going to go into a little bit more in that passage, but that's our cent our central scripture is wives submit to your husbands. The husband is the head of the wife, just like Christ is the head of the church. Brian and I just celebrated 10 years of marriage. Yep which has been crazy. We got married really, really young. I got married, um, I had just turned 20. So it was two weeks after my 20th birthday, which Brian was happy about because he didn't feel like it, he wanted to marry a 19-year-old. Yeah, it, it would have been okay, but that's just, it was one of my personal things. So, <laughs> so it was totally okay. I was 20, I just turned 20. And then on our honeymoon, you turned 24, right? I yeah. think. Yeah. 24. Yep. And so we were really, really young. In fact, we were laughing. I just turned 30 and Brian was like, it's crazy to think about the fact that you've, we've spent a third of your life together. Yeah. That's crazy. I a mentioned a third that of my whole life. To you. Yeah. That is pretty intense. <laughs> now, needless to say, we were young for this day and age. 
oh, it so seems true. like the further back you go, the younger people got married. And some of it gets even a little bit creepy young. But <laughs> so true. I know like my grandparents and, and, and great grandparents, you hear about them talking about getting married when they're just turned 18 or 19 all the time. Yeah. So yeah, I think about uh, a lot of 18 and 19 year olds though. And I think that sounds pretty scary for them to get married. Right. Right. Hence the this day and age thing. <laughs> Things have changed. That's another topic though. <laughs> um, so we got married, yeah, 10 years ago, uh, getting ready to go on a fun uh, vacation to California, which we're pretty excited about. First time since our honeymoon. And um, I wouldn't say that, obviously, I don't think anybody can claim even after being married for 50, 60 years that they have everything figured out. And so let me say that first. This is not coming from a standpoint of Brian and I have everything figured out. But I said to somebody the other day, I said, you know, I definitely don't want to sound arrogant when I say this, but I have just have a really rock solid marriage. I think that that's a really exciting thing to be able to say. I think that that's something that I'm privileged to say. And it's not come without the cost. It's not come without hardship or having to put a lot of effort into things. But I would say that Brian and I have one of the healthier marriages that I've witnessed. And I think we've got a lot of people confirm that in our lives. And so this has been one of those things, though, that we've had a lot of conversation about when it comes to how does this whole thing work between a husband and a man? And when God's asking us to really submit, what is he saying? Does that mean that Brian makes all the judgment calls on everything? Does that mean that he um, I don't speak unless he says that I can? How does that really work within the confines of our marriage? And So first, I want to read a little bit about what the definition of submission is. And this is um, going back to like the actual um, Greek definition of what this what this meant. So there's several things. There's uh, to arrange under, uh, to be subordinate, subject or put in subjection, to obey, to submit one's control, to yield to one's admonition or advice. So there's a lot of things going on here when when this when the scripture is talking about submission. And I know some of these can feel a little bit uncomfortable as a woman to hear like obey your husband. There's a lot of things especially too I think that we've seen come from unfortunately people that would profess to be Christians that's really quite abusive in that area. And so as we're having this conversation, one of the things we even wanted to just touch on is if you've been in a relationship with someone, a marriage um, that has been abusive, you've come out of that or or you're in that right now, please understand that this conversation isn't meant to, to hurt you and that we don't agree with verbal, physical, emotional, any of that type of abuse. And that's definitely not what the Bible is saying. It's not saying that a woman is to be a doormat or to be silent, to not be able to have a voice. Yeah. And another disclaimer right up front is Danielle and I do not have children. Yeah. So there would be people better equipped to speak on some of the aspects of marriage concerning children and and the home. That's really important for us to kind of bring up and, yeah. and unpack right away, just because there are different seasons and there are different challenges that come along with being parents and having children in the home. So that's another aspect of it. So more than anything, we're just talking about our relationship one with another. And that will kind of be the focus is is husband and wife relationship. So kind of make sure that we get those things out out of the way and taken care of. Make sure that 
you know, everybody is on the same page with kind of what the focus of this podcast is going to be. Yeah, for sure. We'll have people in the future that share about that. And maybe someday we'll be able to do that. But for right now, that's kind of our focal point. So submissions. So um, when I always, when I grew up, you know, because I grew up in the church and you pretty much did too, I always viewed submission as, um, not that this was exemplified in my home, but I had kind of a different, um, I guess, home life. My mom passed when I was pretty young and and it was just the, me and my dad and my brother for a while. And then my stepmom came in the picture. So I had kind of a different dynamic, but I always viewed submission of a wife to a husband as kind of like, he really did make the the fine, like the judgment call on decisions that um, really he was the one that discerned things and then she kind of followed his leading. And I would say that that can be the case, but I don't know that that always is the case in this. And what do you think that is being said here, babe, when you, when you think about like a wife being in submission to her husband? One of the things I was thinking about today a lot before we sat down to record just going through my day is that I'm in the hot seat because this is all of you women out there are going to be either jumping on my back about this or hopefully liking what I have to say. Um, so one of the things I think to, to unravel right away is that with this subject, I think we have to be really careful to pull out specific verses from the scriptures and fall on our sword on those scriptures because Although they may be true in their context, it's important, I think, to, when reading the scriptures and trying to understand issues, especially about personal life, that we look at a whole context of scripture. So the Bible front to back, not Mm -hmm. just the context of a book or the context of a verse. We need to look at God's heart as it is from Genesis to Revelation. Yeah, and, and I think that's one of the most important things just this day and age as Christians for us to look at it that way. And so when we see submission mentioned in the scriptures, you know, one of the things I've always thought about this specifically is that aside from some of the faulty teaching in the church, I think we we get kind of on a soapbox, men do get on a soapbox about this and then and then and then women kind of cry from the other soapbox about you know their feelings on this and so what we end up having is kind of a back and forth instead of a coming together mm. and i think that submission for men and and i know there probably won't be many men listening but if you are a man listening and to the women knowing that god's design is to become one mm. i think is central in this yeah because funny. you see it in the commands back and forth between women and men from God. And you see that God's design is that we would become one. And so there, although there is leadership in the church and in marriage and in business and in all those arenas of life, I think it's important to kind of grab a hold of a complete bird's eye view context when we're looking at this subject and many other subjects. I, I like to think of it kind of in a way of being down close to an event and being involved on the street level. There's some things that you glean and see and and that are important, but when you can get up on top of a skyscraper, say, and look down at that event, you actually see the whole picture and you see everything mm-hmm. that's going on. And we just do a horrible job of that in our culture right now with news and the way that our media portrays things that are going on. It's really hard to actually know what's true because we see small snippets of the picture. And if we could see the whole picture, we would be 
able to better understand the truth of what's going on. Yeah, that's good. So submission, you know, it, it is it is what it says it is. Mm. And I would say for a man, the number one thing would not be to look at your wife hoping that, that, that she'll submit to you, but look to Christ in hopes that you are submitting to him. Oh, that's good. And if that's not yeah. taking place, I think, again, in the whole context, you don't really have a right to look to your wife to see if she's submitting to you, mm. would be my take on that. Um, because although we're reading about wives, God has some very explicit things to say about the husband's role. If you want to read that. Yeah, thing. yeah. So I'm going to start at the top again, but I'm going to read through verse 33. It says, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle in any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And I think I'll stop there for right now. <laughs> yeah, because one of the things that you notice right off the bat when, I, when I'm talking about us as men looking to submit to Christ before we're looking for our wives to submit to us would be right in verse 25, husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. And that's a that's a pretty difficult thing. I think honestly, especially in the church, a lot of us as men, our issues arise from that being such a heavy hitting command because mm-hmm. it really is when you look at comparing something that a man's doing to something that Christ himself does for the church. I think, again, you look at the overall scope of what's being said, not only in this verse, but the character of God through all of Scripture, and you would see that as a man, we should be looking to be serving our wives well and to loving to be looking to love our wives well as a number one, kind of a number one goal, mm. and not looking to see if our wives are submitting to us. And and I know that's kind of a an interesting thing when you think about it, um, because when you look at Christ, his serving of the church is what empowers us to do what we're supposed to do, which is submit to him. Yeah, that's good. So for husbands, it would be to serve Christ, to serve our wives, and in turn, we'll kind of reciprocate that responsibility and the wife will want to submit mm-hmm. because I, I just know there's a lot of guys out there that women wouldn't want to submit to in any way. And that's mm-hmm. because of attitude issues and and just being sometimes, well, most of the time men are super stubborn and myself included, included. And so we need Christ to soften our hearts and to teach us in that. And so, yeah, yeah. just to reiterate that men to serve Christ, number one, and not to be looking for your 
your wife to submit to you. It's interesting too. I've thought about this a lot of times because Colossians 3, 18 through 19 says, wives submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. It also says in a lot of translations and be gentle towards them. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's what you're talking about. It's, it's almost like asking Jesus to give you eyes to see your wife the way that he sees his church, the way that he sees his bride. And that's, he's gentle and affectionate towards her. And really what I've seen exemplified in the times when we've done this right and then the times where we've done this wrong is that marriage really does work best when we're serving each other. When I'm looking out for your best interests and you're looking out for my best interests, then as a result, we are loving and serving one another well. But when I'm only seeking to gain love and affection from you and gentleness and compassion from you. Um, And when you're only seeking to get respect that you feel like you deserve from me and to be the right one in this situation, then when we're serving ourselves, like we are, we're truly, we're not operating in unity and we're not one. And so that is where division is created. And so as you do your part and I do my part, without quoting the Lion King, becomes the circle of life. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, so but, yeah, but, and it, just to kind of piggyback off of that, it's it's unfortunate because as human beings, another thing I was thinking about today before we before we recorded, was, and it was a couple of things. Number one, that as human beings, not just men or women, but as human beings, I think it's our natural bent to be selfish mm-hmm. across the board. Right. And I think if we truly look at the decisions we make and the, the statements we make, even with the best of intentions behind them, sometimes we'll find that the majority of those things are are done for selfish reasons. It, and it's actually difficult for us to kind of change our nature. And that's part of what being a Christian and a disciple is, is we're changing our human nature to be the nature of Christ and he is not selfish he's mm-hmm. the most unselfish so that's that's number 1 is that just re- we need to remind ourselves that by nature we are selfish right and we're in the process of being changed into his image and that's something we have to let happen and it's on purpose and it's intentional but then number 2 is that as as humans it's our nature also to be ditch jumpers we'll mm-hmm. be on one side of the ditch and then we'll sprint across the road to the other side and back and forth so often and so we really never get to the to the center right where where truth is found and and like Jesus said it's it's this path and it's narrow and it's hard to find mm-hmm. and that's obvious in our culture between men and women it's obvious in uh just the temperature of relationships and and all of the things that kind of you can see that happening so so often in those areas so just to keep that in mind ask yourself am i being selfish mm. often and mm-hmm. ask yourself am i ditch jumping is there another perspective that i'm missing and and is my opinion overriding maybe some of the things that i need to think about a little bit longer and a little bit deeper cuz we're so quick to jump to a conclusion I have a couple of questions that I just want to get your opinion on and we can kind of have a conversation about. But within this, why do you think God distinguishes roles within a marriage? Why do you think that he says throughout 
um, scripture, multiple places. Like I said, we'll kind of point those out in the show notes, almost like a chain of command. Um, because I do think that a healthy marriage operates in unity and in oneness and makes decisions together. And I would say that literally nine times out of 10, if not more than that, that's been the case for us. I think we were trying to think of a couple situations because our, you know, our belief on this um, is that we make decisions as a couple, but if it comes down to a decision has to be made and we're not in agreement, then I submit to what Brian feels like is the decision to make. Why would God do that? And why do we do that in our relationship? Obviously, I think in a perfect world, in every situation that husbands and wives would come together and make joint decisions. Mm -hmm. But if we look at Jesus, this is one of the things that I think is even applicable for my life when I'm making decisions. If we look at Jesus, for me as a person to say, that I won't submit to somebody else or give thought to that or credence to that is kind of an interesting thing as someone claiming to be a Christian mm. when our Lord Jesus submitted himself to the Father. Yeah. And when you think about Jesus being God, he's submitting himself and in and saying, I only do what I see the Father doing and I only say what I hear the Father saying. So our founder of our faith modeled to us the way to submit. And my job as a husband is submit to submit to him. And your job as a wife is to submit to him. Right. That's the <laughs> That's order really what that it, it goes yeah. in. And so when, when it comes to a wife submitting to a husband and the way that God set up leadership and roles, I think once again, it's important to recognize that it should be a joint decision. But when a decision can't be, when we can't come together and agree, which will happen often. We can't always agree on everything. I think the wife is just as much vindicated as in letting her husband make the final decision as the husband is in making the final decision. Mm. And she will be held accountable for how she treated her husband in the decision-making. And unfortunately, <laughs> the husband will be held accountable by God for whether it was the right or wrong decision. Mm -hmm. So not only do roles come into play here, but job descriptions come into play here. And it's it's one of those things that it can be difficult, especially in a 21st century world where we've come so far in equality for women. Mm -hmm. And we always have work to do and we can always do better, but we have come so far. And so it, it, it at times seems to be a step backward when we look at scripture and maybe we see something about wives submitting to their husbands. But I think if we truly get, again, the grand scheme and the scope of what God's trying to say overall, it has less to do with wives submitting to their husbands and more to do with this joint effort of becoming one flesh and both people submitting to God. Yeah. And I think within that comes the decision-making that the man carries out and the submitting that the wife does to the husband. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's found inside that package. I don't think it's on the outside of that package where the wife attempts to submit to the husband in, in all things. And the man tries to always make the right decisions. I, I think we've said before, I think we've made in our 10 years of marriage, I think we, I've made two decisions outside of us being in agreement Yeah, and they were super difficult things. And I think, one of them, you turned out to completely be right. And the other one, I turned out to be right. 
And we, we only talk about that because really who is right and who is wrong doesn't matter. No. At the end of the day, what matters is that we were able to come to a finality in that you said, okay, I don't agree, but you need to make the decision that you feel is right. And for me, it was difficult to make the decision without you being um, uh, kind of on my team. And I knew you <laughs> were on my team because that's the way we view our marriage. But at the same time, not every decision of our whole marriage can be made together. Right. I guess the question then as a response to your question is, how would we make a decision then? Mm-hmm. If, a, if something came up and there was right. no point person to make the decision then how would we do it? And I think I think not having a point person would lead to more issues in the long run yeah. than having a point person who maybe makes the wrong decision and the wife can say, I told you so. <laughs> That's a really good point. So. <laughs> That's a good point. So ladies, take that as a fuel for the fire. Just kidding. Um, I, I really appreciate that, babe. Just even thinking about, it's more about submission, both of us submitting to the Lordship of Jesus and less about me submitting to you. It's, it's us together in unity, submitting to God's will and his direction for our lives. And, but ultimately you're right. I mean, I know that this scripture gets thrown around, but it's super powerful. The Bible says you can't serve two masters. And that it's really quite destructive if you think about if you've ever worked in a position where you've had two bosses where it's not clear where the line is on decisions, you know how frustrating that can be. Or I'm sure you've experienced that in a lot of sports. Like if there's not a point person that's making the final call on things or even in like things that you do with Alaska or or things like if there wasn't a point person, it could honestly be detrimental for the people that are following the people that are engaged in that, that are like connected to that situation. Yeah. In Alaska, if we don't have a leader, it can literally be life and death. And I yeah. know that that's usually not what it is in a marriage. It's not usually life or death, but I think, I think this principle is something that we need to carry into our complete Christian life, not yeah. just in our marriages. And I know you and I have talked about before the idea of we don't go to scripture to find wisdom. We don't go to scripture to find understanding. We don't go to scripture to find the right or wrong thing. We go to scripture to know Jesus. Right. And if we do that, we will have the understanding and we will have the wisdom and Mm -hmm. we will have what's right and wrong and we'll have what we need. And and I think sometimes we just get this this kind of out of our, our priorities mixed up when it comes to this, especially in marriage. If we are both going to Jesus and we can honestly say that we are, then his design is that it would work as a, as a team effort and a joint effort where we're making decisions together. And the beautiful thing about that is, kind of to piggyback off your question, is it's so obvious, once again, in the, the greater context that God designed men and women completely different hmm. from each other. Mm-hmm. And I know this is another hot button issue, but men and women are different than each other. And I think it's funny because many times there will have men that will say, men and women are the same, or women who will say men and women are the same. But the problem is, is they don't know what each other are like. As a man, (laughs) I don't really know what a woman is like. Mm. As a woman, you don't really know what a man is like, and you don't really know the struggles, and you don't really know the the issues and the thoughts and, and the intents of the heart. So not only physically, but emotionally and mentally, 
and on a heart level, men and women are completely different. And God designed it that way so that we would become one and we would come together mm-hmm. because I believe that the the attributes of a woman and the attributes of a man are are both found within our God. Yes. And to to the greatest level. And I think one of the things he did is he kind of put some of his attributes in women and some of his attributes in men so that them, when they did come together, you could kind of formulate in decision-making and in life and in the way we treat people, you'd formulate this kind of complete picture of God mm-hmm. through men and women coming together. So that's kind of, you know, that's one of those things that I think is really important for us to remember. Really, when a man and a woman are truly submitted to the Lordship of Jesus and they are walking with him, it is so complimentary. Like the areas where Brian is strong, I I draw on that strength. And the areas where he's weak, I'm able to come in and be a blessing to him to challenge and to encourage him or to kind of like fill the gap, whether it be, you know, one of the things early on in our relationship was just organization. Like that's just kind of how I think, I think a little bit more like making sure that we've got all of our, unless it, until it comes to Alaska. And then you just, it's like as if this small organizing human is sitting on the inside of you all year long, waiting to come out. Yeah, that, and all of a sudden it pours into this thing. <laughs> that's, that's the only area I, know, I, yeah. I lack in, in organization. And, <laughs> but you're right. It, it, we can see each other's strengths yeah. and that's another part of having a successful marriage. And that's another part of talking about, this topic. Yeah. Did God really say, well, God doesn't have opinions. Mm. So when God says something, it's truth. And and we have to be That's reminded good. of that. He doesn't have opinions. We do. So if things are messed up, if husbands and wives are quarreling, if they're having issues, if their marriages are falling apart, it's not because of what God said. It's because of what our opinions are and what we say. Mm. And it's important to remember that, you know, we, we have... You have strengths that I need in times of decision-making and in times of difficulty, and I have strengths that you need in the same way. And if we would look at it that way, where I can take what God's given me as a man, and I can share those things with you as a woman in that process of becoming one, and you vice versa with me, that's the way it's supposed to work. You know, you, I I think generally it, I think it's said, um, been said a million times, but men usually are more, we think with our senses, our, our sight, our smell, our touch, our hearing with our five senses. And we think very intellectually about things as kind of a, a general rule and women excel in the emotional aspects of life. And it's a powerful thing when you can take those two kind of separate mm-hmm. aspects and bring them together to attempt to engage with issues or problems. The, that's that's the best of both worlds. But all too often, we let that be the nail that drives us into the ground or, or the wedge that drives us apart yeah. is that we think different. And that should be that should be something we recognize as an asset in each other and we utilize that in in the correct way. 
I think about the the quote that you said a long time ago. Um, gosh, it's probably been like five years ago now. I think you just I think you wrote it in a message one time, and it just really really stuck. But um, how uh, diversity in in the world? What did you say? But yeah, and it's so obvious. Diversity in the world breeds prejudice, but diversity in the church should breed unity mm-hmm. because we need each other's gifts. We need right. each other to be different. We need parts of a body to be different from each other. And the world's way of expressing diversity often leads to to prejudice. Mm -hmm. We've seen that throughout our history, our human history. But the church's way of dealing with diversity should be an, an aspect of strengthening it and utilizing all of those different parts and different people to to come together for the greater good. And in a small snapshot, that's what a marriage should be, I think. One of the things that we see a lot in scripture, I just wanted to touch on briefly is, why do you think there's such an emphasis on the (laughs) negative effects of a nagging wife from a husband's perspective? Well, (laughs) (laughs) that's one, honestly, that's an area of scripture that doesn't need a ton of... um, (laughs) Explanation. Explanation on a on a <laughs> no. On a, I think th- on I a think... man's side. I mean, no. I'm I'm saying that in kind of a, a joking way yeah. because yeah. that is kind of the way that maybe a man would perceive a woman to be mm-hmm. in certain times. There are examples of that because I think women's emotional side of caring about things greatly can lead over if not if not controlled if not brought back into the subjection of mm-hmm. Christ can lead over into nagging. Mm-hmm. It's not really maybe from always from a dysfunctional place. I think sometimes that that strong emotional aspect of a woman it can be used in the wrong context at sure. times and it and it can turn into kind of nagging and and once again, you know, men men process things silently mm. for the most part. And they do need men. One of the things we really need is to talk through things and men need to realize that they, they need to talk through things. So a lot of it also on the human side is men look at women trying to help them open up and get in touch with their emotions and their feelings as nagging, mm. which is the wrong thing to wrong way to look at it. Sure. So I think it's just mentioned often because it becomes an issue often. Not because necessarily the wife is nagging or the man is perceiving it as nagging, just because uh, once again, that difference between a man and a woman is kind of brought to a head there in that specific spot. And I think that one of the things that you and I have worked through a lot is just like me beginning to understand how certain things make you feel empowered as a man and as a husband to be able to lead well and certain things... um, kind of make you feel like I'm your mom, which isn't necessarily healthy. And for a man, the biggest thing is that we don't need another mom because we already have one. (laughs) That's true. And so we don't, and we definitely don't want two moms, you know, (laughs) as a man. And and so (laughs) I know that sounds funny, but we, one mom is enough mom, (laughs) you know? So, and I love my mom, but, but, but one mom is enough mom. So you know, that's kind of, it can bleed over into seeming that way. And when you feel that, uh, and moms do empower their sons, sure. but once they're married, it should mm-hmm. be wives empowering their husbands. I don't look to my mom to empower me 
anymore. Like oh, I do my yeah. wife to empower me. So that's, that's where if the wife can, if the wife negatively crosses over into communicating a certain way, it can be perceived as nagging and be c- kind of more detrimental to the man than, than for the good. So with that, one of the things you hear a lot, it's pretty common with women justifying nagging is, um, well, if he wouldn't act like a child, I wouldn't treat him like a child. I've heard that so many times. Which is true because sure. men act like children at times. Yeah. For sure. So how do you, <laughs> speaking for, as a as a man to a woman, how do you encourage them in how we can do a good job of respecting and edifying and encouraging our husbands to be men, to be leaders. Um, And maybe this even ties into one of the questions we got on social media. I think this is actually a really good question. One of the questions we got was advice on communication when you're discussing difficult subjects. And I think one of the difficult subjects sometimes is to say, I do need your help. I need you to pick up the slack. I, I need us to operate as a team. How do I say that in a way that edifies and builds you up, isn't nagging you, but then also gives me a voice to say, like, I'm frustrated about this. This is hard. I need you. This is all part of the greater conversation about communication. So mm-hmm. one of the things I think that you and I have found is that I'm scatterbrained. So I usually in my mind have a thousand different things happening at the same time. And I, as a man, am only able to do one of those things at a time. <laughs> That's true. So I can't really be doing something and listening at the same time and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can work on that, but I'm just never going to be as good at it as you are. So it's it's kind of the greater conversation about communication. And I think when we sit down as a husband and wife and communicate your needs, my needs, and the needs of our household and the things that need to be taken care of. Once those things are established, I think one of the important things is for women to trust that their husband is going to act upon those things Mm. and not ask him continually to do the same things that had already been established. Sure. So I think the issue is that most couples, and and I think we've, we've fallen into this at times, is we don't establish what the parameters are and what things need to be taken care of and what your thoughts and my thoughts are. We don't establish that up front. So if we don't do that, then nobody really knows who's supposed to be doing what or how things are supposed Mm -hmm. to work. And so then it's just nagging back and forth constantly. But if we do sit down first and establish the parameters, then that gives us kind of a platform for the woman to to trust that her husband is going to do the things and take care of the things he needs to take care of and the man is going to feel secure in really the same way about the wife and it seems to be that when the wife doesn't perform on her end the tasks that maybe she said she would a man in error kind of just blows it you know it lets it blow over his, his head but then it comes back as frustration mm. in a blow up where the woman so sees true. that the man is not doing something and immediately starts to tell him what he's not doing. Mm-hmm. And so we both have our faults in it. But what we need to do is the woman needs to trust the man that he's going to do what needs to be done after the parameters are set. And the man, if he doesn't see something being done in the same way, needs to trust his wife, but not let it build up. Yeah. over time and then explode. So sure. once again, it's our unique 
ways that men and women work and us having to adjust those things to come under the subjection of what Christ says about us, not our natural way of being. Sure. You know, and, it, and it's a tough thing. It's a super difficult thing. None of this is easy. And I, I would love for this to be just a super hilarious podcast. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, but honestly, this is something that's, that's destroying Mm-hmm. lives yeah, it's true. because we're not getting this right and we're not listening to what God says mm-hmm. and we're not pursuing him in that way and therefore having healthy marriages. And we need more healthy marriages to look up to in our society and, and solid wives and husbands working together. It's just a big, it's a really big deal. Yeah. With communication, I want to Uh, come back to that just a little bit more in just the sense of what are your thoughts on how to bring up maybe you haven't ever had that sit down um, and you've got things that have built up what have you found is successful as a husband in bringing that up and um, bringing up tough stuff and then what what do you think what are your thoughts just on in general about bringing up things that are really, really hard to work through. Within a marriage, there's no room for either party to not be able to Mm. bring up difficult things or feel like they can't. So as a wife, if you're coming to your husband with a difficult thing and he reacts negatively to to it, he'll answer for that and vice versa. That's a good reminder. In marriage, there is no time for being apprehensive about bringing up difficult things things. Mm. It's just it's just not. Just like in the life of a disciple, there's no room for comparing or there's no room for treating people with disrespect or yeah. a lack of humility in the life of a disciple. Those those are things that God has made it very clear that we 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 operate correctly in and it's the same thing. So really you just need to bring up tough things because marriage at times can be difficult. And mm-hmm. we need to be honest about that, that sometimes it can be difficult. You and I have had super intense arguments and fights, but what what is important is that we didn't, not that we had those intense arguments or fights, but that we came out on the other side stronger. Yeah. And so you mentioned not having those parameters set up front. I think before, maybe before bringing up something really intense about the other person, sit down and and have a discussion on parameters and where things are currently at. Yeah. And then bring it through that avenue instead of sitting down and throwing a bomb on somebody. <laughs> so true. Just unleashing a grenade or setting out landmines <laughs> on your spouse so is true. not a good way to do it. I and think. I think it's important to note that you, if you feel like you can't, it is okay to involve somebody that you trust that can help you. Like if it's an intense situation where you know something's been going on for a while, um, maybe there's, um, you know, just an issue with lust or infidelity or abuse or an addiction, or maybe this is a really big issue, um, to reach out to the people that you trust and love that can help you um, in what to say and how to say it, maybe even be a mediator if necessary, you yeah, know, with a mentor. And it's important to pick those people wisely because yeah. literally the de- the decision to reach out to someone outside of your marriage can either crumble your marriage yep. or build it up. 
completely depending on who you reach out to. So reach out to someone that has no problem telling you when you're wrong. Yeah. That's, that's that's an important thing or, or being completely honest with you. You don't need a yes man or a yes woman. That's going to just agree with your side of things, but maybe we'll bring up, well, how does your husband feel? Or if, if, if you don't have that, I encourage you to seek that out and find some, some good mentors in that area that are that way. Cause that, that's a serious thing when you step outside of the marriage covenant to ask advice from from someone else, a third party, that advice better be solid and from God. Yeah. And ladies, I'm going to be the one to say this, even though I know Brian feels the same way, but I feel like you should hear it from a woman. We've got to be so careful as women who we share our heart with and who we share our frustration with our spouses with, because, um, that whole salon type of, of workplace of, uh, (laughs) gossiping about our husbands. It's just not okay. It's not okay. And it's not going to benefit our relationship. So yeah, Brian, that was really good. We just have a couple of other questions that got brought up on social media that we want to cover. And then obviously, this can be a kind of a continual discussion. So if you have additional questions, we'd love to hear from you. Um, Or if you think it's been helpful, we can do a part two later. For sure. And we might even do, I haven't mentioned this, but I will in this exact moment, maybe Uh we'll do another Facebook live. I've actually had several people ask. Oh, okay. (laughs) Not a grenade. Yeah. We, no, I'm just kidding. We can do that. Um, so can I, can I, can I do the one question? Cause it's my favorite question that was asked. Sure. My favorite question that was asked was from Instagram and it says, what do you do about husbands telling their wives what they can and can't wear? Our thoughts on that, yeah. Yeah, your thoughts on that. That's my favorite one because that's like a, it's like a slap one. It's a good one. It's it it's kind of one of those. It gets in your face, and that's sure. a good thing. So you can kind of share what your thoughts are. Sure. Um, and then I'll share what my. You want thoughts me to go first? There. Okay. No, I'll go first. Actually, okay, go yeah, first. I'll go yeah, first. Yeah. I'll get in the hot seat. <laughs> Well, that's a good one. So I would say, fortunately, I've never, as a husband, I can honestly say I've never really been put in the situation where I sh- feel like I need to tell Danielle that I don't think she should wear something that she had on. Uh, Danielle dresses really modestly, beautiful, but modestly. And I think, once again, this question kind of, finds its foundation in the wife seeking Christ and the husband seeking Christ individually. I really just have a hard time believing that 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 our Lord is not going to speak to us what kind of the parameters on how we dress are and what's okay and what's not. And I think that if if you truly are seeking the Lord, that he's going to put a check in your heart about the way you're presenting yourself or not presenting yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think really it it it's a difficult thing because I think as men, we we are so, so, so physical in our attraction to women and our outlook on women is very can be very tainted based on the way that they present themselves. Mm. And that's just being honest as a man. And and any man that you know, your husband included, for women that are married, would would echo this, I guarantee. So <laughs> we 
we have these things as men called eyes. <laughs> and those eyes get us into trouble more often than not. Sure. And we need to always be vigilant. And it's, and it's a daily struggle for a man to bring his thoughts and, his, and his, what he's looking at in subjection to Christ. Mm. With that being said, I think women are being extremely respectful when they decide to, in public, dress modestly yet beautiful. And that is completely a possibility. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think that there's that there's lines that husbands and wives can come together and discuss in private. Don't let this happen in public, but in private if if as a man if you think that something that your wife is wearing is a little bit too edgy, <laughs> there are ways to talk about that without being so overbearing and seeming to come off as some kind of control freak. Control freak. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a dangerous thing as a man. And one of the ways as a man, I'm giving away a secret here, but oh this is one of the ways as a man is if you do feel that maybe something your wife is wearing is a little bit edgy, really I found maybe the best thing isn't to tell them that, is to say, I really like this other outfit when you wear this, and I think you look super hot in that outfit. I'm so sure. So then, Sneaky. Yeah, so that might have been a bad thing to give away because now all the wives are gonna or girlfriends are going to be like, oh, okay, so actually he's just trying to get, yeah. I know what you're saying. But actually that's the truth in, in a lot of, especially for me as a husband, when you, you know, dress up and you and you present yourself I I take notice of that often mm. and I'm really glad that somebody asked this question because it it the answer to this is n- never easy yeah. and I don't really think per se that it should ever have to come down to husbands telling their wives what they can and can't wear. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it should ever get to that point. Yeah. I think there's some preemptive things that can take place before you ever get to that point. So and I don't want, you know, you don't want to beat around the bush on this question, but at the same time, I do believe that I think preemptively husbands and wives, boyfriends and girlfriends can come together and have legitimate discussions about this and then come away with that knowing kind of the standard that's set yeah. for that. You know, it, it'd be the same way for women to, you know, bring up how a man might be interacting with another woman. Mm. You know, That's when is that point. okay and not okay? Well, if we do some preemptive boundary setting, yeah, that's important because once again, we're a team. Right. And so when we do that, we, we set ourselves up to kind of succeed instead of fail. Yeah. I want to cover the other side of this question that I think is being asked here because I hear this pretty commonly, but when it comes to fashion a husband's opinion on what a woman can and can't wear. I find that aspect of this a little bit funnier. Maybe we can end on a little bit more of a humorous note yeah, here. Yeah. Um, but uh, one of the one of the questions I've been asked by my girlfriends in is um, well what, you know, what do you do about like Brian's opinion on on like choices of fashion? And I am just not super I'm I'm just not super on the cusp of fashion anymore. I used to kind of be more, well, I thought I was at least. Um, But uh, I can tell you that I know that there are things that Brian likes or prefers more than other things. And we have an, um, we've had from day one, I've always encouraged and asked him to be honest 
with me without <laughs> backhanding him when he is. I feel like I've uh, hopefully done a good job of that. But you always, actually have. Yeah. Always being like, you can tell me if you really, really don't like something. Right. Um, one of the things that Brian doesn't like uh, just is his boots he just is really opinionated about women's boots it's not that i don't like boots it's i'm opinionated about the boots themselves so boots are cool to a, to a certain extent um yeah so so what do i do as a woman so let's say that i really really like a certain style of boot or of pants or of a sh- of shirts or whatever something that's trending that i really really like um Ladies, at the end of the day, I, I I am looking to have my husband's eyes. That's what I'm looking for. I want him to desire me in all senses of the word. I, I want to a- attract him. I want to continue to have that type of relationship with him. And so um, my, my opinion on that is um, I definitely, if there's something that I really, really love that Brian kind of doesn't super dig, um, I might still get it, but I'm not going to probably wear things that I know that he's really, really not into because I, I want to have him be attracted to me physically and the things that I'm wearing and the way I'm presenting myself. Yeah. And from my perspective too, it would never cross into a place where if you really, really, really liked something that I didn't care for, I would never cross into a place of telling you, you can or can't wear it. Right. I think the can or can't wear it is where there's kinda, a problem. <laughs> well, no, is where it, where what comes into play is kind of being a little bit edgy or maybe risque. Oh, Sure. Not where you actually just like a certain style of blouse or, or pants or, or boots. boots or whatever. <laughs> it would never be my place to say if – and if I was saying it, then that is controlling. To sure. say um, you can't wear that because I don't necessarily care for that specific fashion choice. That that I think is is stepping across the line. I think as a husband, my desire should be that you would be happy before I would be happy. So mm-hmm. if you really, really like something, regardless of whether I like it or not, I think that it would be something that you should be able to express and wear if you if you choose to do that. And that's not my place to say you can't or you can wear something, you know. Yeah. I just think that's a little bit too far. Yeah. So we had one other question. Um I'm I'm not gonna cover it in this podcast because I think we'll have this conversation um maybe in a future podcast um regarding a a woman's role when it comes to staying at home, kind of the motherly side of things. And I'd like to have some of my mama friends share on that. And maybe we can even have a conversation with some of the couples that we really respect in that area at some point. That would be fun. Yeah. But um, I think we'll wrap up with that tonight, just kind of on a fun note. And Yeah. And I I just want to say I'm really honored to be able to speak um, on the podcast and Danielle giving me the opportunity to come on and just share some of my thoughts from my man brain. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, if you've got questions, hit Danielle up on social media or, or, or text message her, however you can get a hold of her. But I just, I'm, I am, I'm humbled to be able to be on the podcast and, and speak to just so many amazing women that are out there. So. 
Yeah. Well, thanks, babe. We're excited about um, just where where you guys are at and what God's doing in your lives. And it's been an honor to be able to have some of these hard conversations. It's important that we really do ask the question, did God really say that we really go to the scriptures for ourselves in every regard? So I encourage you to do that throughout this week. Um, and just thanks again for tuning in. Isn't he great? I love that man. And let me encourage you ladies who are dating or within the first few months or years of marriage. It truly gets sweeter with time. Brian always says to the younger couples that we've mentored or done counseling with, your marriage will be exactly what you make it. That isn't meant to be a dig either if things are tough right now or if you're healing from a broken marriage. It should be a hopeful reminder that we're all capable of healthy relationships. And if the husband and wife are seeking to serve Jesus and each other, marriage can honestly thrive. I know we talked about a lot today, and I know some of it may have been challenging or even hard to hear. Submission is not easy. But something that really stuck out to me in our conversation was when Brian said, it's not really as much about a wife submitting to her husband as much as it is about the husband submitting to Jesus and the wife submitting to Jesus. That's such a relief. I struggle with having the right attitude and submitting to Brian's leadership sometimes. He's pretty dang great, But just like me, he's not perfect and we don't always agree. Thank goodness I can rest in the fact that if we are both submitting to Jesus, then we can trust that he will lead us. We can do this, ladies. This week, I challenge you to take time to really get into the scriptures for yourself and see what the Bible says about submission, about marriage, and about our role as wives. Maybe invite a girlfriend to study with you. And let's allow Jesus to lead us closer to him and closer to our spouses. Please know I'm really grateful for your support. Can I ask a favor from you? If you haven't yet, please give us a review. That helps other ladies find us. And simply, I cannot do this without your help. I pray that this will always be a place of community for you and a source for you to grow into the kind of woman that God says you are. A woman that is worthy and more rare than the most precious rubies. Until next time, friends, my love and prayers are with you and yours. The Ruby Kind Podcast is written and directed by Danielle Hallberg. Original music and audio production by Nakota Rankin. Connect with us online. Links to our website, Instagram, and Facebook can be found in the show notes.